0: Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast, a presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer.
1: on Chicago, welcome into a Wednesday edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Pat the designer back at it again, joined by Jason McKee, J-Mac in the building, former Chicago Bears fullback, J-Mac what's good? What's good Pat, how you doing my man? Hey, man, I'm I'm just still excited to be here. I walk in this office every day, and I'm like, hey, they ain't turned the card off yet. They, I seen that uh, I seen that video last night, the old boy, when they pranked him. He was like, did they cut me? I think it was, it was a Jair Alexander, one of them was. He, he hit the thing. He was like, did they cut? They must have hey, cut me.
0: As long as your name tag is still in your locker, you're good, man. That's what we used to do. You just come in the, in the locker room during training camp, and you look – well, you ain't going to get in the locker room first because they're going to cut you at your dorm. But sometimes, you know, after practice, they start – they start clearing that name tag off your locker, man. Yeah, they put all your stuff in the trash bag, bro. And and I can recall the training camp us going us us taking a golf cart because they had guys taking us a golf cart on golf carts down there at Olivet Nazarene, and us us riding to practice. And then one of your boys who you just had dinner with, you know, the night yeah. before. I mean, the opposite way in a golf cart saying, hey, dog, I, I, best of luck to you guys, dog. Hope, wish y'all the best <laughs> and that's tough, man. That that's You build like a
1: bond with crazy. that guy. It's tough, man. It's tough business. That's business crazy, man. Hey, man, we got to talk about how tough it's going to be and what we're going to see out of this Bears team. Are they going to be able to take it to the next level? I think Justin Fields might. And there's some numbers that would back this up. And the thing that excites me about this numbers is there's some quarterbacks that are a part of these numbers. Mm-hmm that you don't look at and be like wow that's a hall of fame quarterback so we'll talk about that also gotta look at what this bears team's going to be able to do with these road games get jmax perspective on some of the toughest places to play on the road and then who do we feel is going to have the biggest impact that maybe we're not talking about yet couple of names that might come up in that all that and more on today's episode of the chicago bears podcast good lord Make sure that you guys hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. We're doing this Monday through Friday. Let's get into the first quarter.
0: First quarter.
1: So I've done some extension, extensive research here, J-Mac. All right. On quarterbacks in the system that the Chicago Bears are now running here with Luke Getz and some guys that have come up in that system. Uh, some different names on this list where the numbers in year one mm. to the numbers in year two are ridiculously different, drastically different. I'll give you just some of the names real quick here. Jake Plummer, Matt Schaub, Matt Ryan, Jimmy mm. Garoppolo. Then you get to Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers. So a few names on there of quarterbacks that you look at and you say, all right, okay, they they are some names there. Jake Plummer in 2003 in playing in a very similar system to what Justin Fields is coming in with Luke Getzey, 2,182 yards, 15 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 2004, 4,089 yards, 27 touchdowns, 20 picks, a lot of picks. Let's hope, let's keep the picks down. Matt Schaub, very similar jump, 2008, 3,043 yards, 15 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, 2009, 4,700 yards, 29 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. I'm not going to go through this entire list of guys, but the jumps are very similar, very much with the touchdowns as well. When you looked at Aaron Rodgers when he played in it, still, of course, he's Aaron Rodgers, right? He's not going to have the 20 interception season, but... First season, 26 touchdowns, four interceptions. Second season in it, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. Godly, unfortunately. Um, So I'll ask you this. In your time with the Chicago Bears, J-Mac, you played under three different offensive coordinators. I believe your first year you had John Shoup, You had Terry Shea for a season. That was, I forgot about that. We were talking talking about (laughs) quarterbacks that was there for just a flash in the pan. like Terry Shea, I forgot about Terry Shea. man. And then you play with Ron Turner most of your time. Speak to how you believe playing in a system for more than one season versus playing in a system that is always getting changed can affect your play on the field, how that's going to help Justin Fields take a jump this season.
0: Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, it's just the understanding and I'll talk and I'll break what I mean. I'll break down what I mean by understanding. So it, it's one, obviously the first part is understanding the offense, you know, understanding the terminology, understanding in terms of what your position uh, job detail is, you know, what, what are you required to do based upon your position, uh, knowing your role within the offense, you know, knowing what the expectation is in the offense. So. Uh, with that being said, when you have that understanding, you know what's expected of you, you can go out there and play faster. You know, in a huddle, when, they, when that play's called, I'm not thinking about, okay, what do I have to do here? Do, do I have to chip before I get out on the flat? You know, do I have the Mike and Sam in this protection? Uh, you know, who do I have uh, ba- based on this front? Which linebacker do I have if running power, if running duo, if running outside zone? Uh, things of that nature. You know, you having an understanding being in a se- second year in a system you have a better grasp of, of what you're supposed to do so now you just go out there and play fast. Yeah. Uh so the second part of that understanding and I'll break it down is uh understanding, you know, having a better relationship with your offensive coordinator and the guys around you within that system. So now, you know, my offensive coordinator, he knows more about me as a player, what my abilities are, uh, what my strengths are, what my weaknesses are. So, you know, the great offensive coordinators, they're going to they they in the second-year system, they're not going to tweak too many things because they want you to know it, like I said before. But they're gonna, they are going gonna—they want to – obviously, they want to play towards your strengths and they want to limit the things they do that will highlight your weaknesses. So I think, you know, with with, with Fields and Getze, um, him being a second-year in the system, you know, Getze has an understanding of what does Justin do well? What does he excel at? And now Justin and him have that relationship. They built a better bond. Uh, having the second year with each other, where Justin could probably go to getsy and say, "You know what? I like this. I like this route concept. We run this combination. I feel comfortable. You know, every day of the week that ends in Y, throwing this route concept. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I like this. I like this play action. I like this quarterback design run. And and Getzy, you know, has an inclination of what Justin Fields' strengths are. So he's gonna he'll he'll tweak some things, I'm sure, uh, to change things up a little bit, but. I hope he doesn't make drastic changes because obviously you want Justin to have that that second year of growth in the system, not just him, but all the all the players. Yeah, uh, you know, so you got to look at the offensive line as well. Uh, you know, you got Braxton Jones second year in this system. Um, Tevin Jenkins will be in this system again. You bring in Darnell Wright and all these other pieces. Nate Davis. Uh, you bring players around Fields that can make him successful. Bring him an offensive line, a young offensive line. Uh, that can keep him upright and build his confidence up. Because we know if a quarterback is not getting hit after every throw, his confidence is going to grow, especially when you're you're coordinating and you and you're putting him in position to make, you know, to get him started. You know, you put him in position to make easy throws, to build his yeah. confidence up. And then if his jersey's not getting dirty, he's gonna, he's gonna gain more confidence. And the more confidence he, he gains, the more plays he'll make. So I think just those, you know, those two things, understanding the offense and in building a a broader relationship with your offensive coordinator will definitely help him take the next step in this office.
1: how, How does that affect you right in where I think it's most important inside of your division? Because second year in this, right, just, there hasn't been a, now there's been a major change up in that team up North. Right. But outside of that, There hasn't been a ton of change in what these lineups are bringing. You're going to see a lot of the same players on the defense. You're going to see a lot of the same players on the other side of the ball. How does that affect you when you you come into the second year of an offense and now you even know the tendencies of the other team that you're going up against?
0: Yeah, I mean, you you have an idea of how they want to play you, um, but obviously things are going to change. So now the defenses within our division, they know about Justin's running ability. You know what I'm saying? A couple of yeah. games he may have caught him off guard and they may have said, wow, we didn't know he was that fast or that explosive. But now they know. And in this league, you know, these defensive coordinators, they catch up. You know, we see, we've see seen a lot of, uh, of great offensive players come in this league and come in and make a splash. And then the next year you don't really hear about them because the right. defenses catch up. You know, they change up their scheme or they devise a plan to, to negate the big plays that that individual player is making. So, you know, I can see now – this division a lot of great defensive coordinators and great defenses within this division, you know, I can see them saying, you know what, we, we got we to make Justin beat us from the pocket. We are not going to let him run. We're not going to let him get, uh, break and tame yeah. and run up and down the field on us like he did the previous year. So, you know, I know Getsy understands that. And those are the, the tweaks that I was talking about. So, Getsy knows what they have on film. You know what I mean? But you, you don't want to make wholesale changes because you don't want to confuse your, confuse your guys. You want to keep them comfortable within that system. But at the same time, you do a little things like we used to call window dressing it. So you come out, you know, you line up in a different formation that you may not have put on film uh, the previous year. Uh, You add a motion or a shift, but you're still running the same play. So outside zone, you can run it from different personnel. You can, uh, you know, add a motion on there, different things like that to make it look different to the defense but it's still the same play in terms of the offensive line blocking scheme and those are the guys you definitely don't want to confuse.
1: Yeah, it's it's to me when I look at how Justin Fields could take a step based on right the the numbers that the system is showing and, and having an understanding, having an understanding of the guys across like you were just talking about. I look at a, a guy who last season averaged about 150 yards a game, passing wise, right? He, he's running all over the field. He's he, he he's doing a ton with his legs more times than not. And I think about the fact that a lot of teams are like you said, going to try and force him to be a passer, very much like I—I'll I, never forget. I want to say, I want to say it was the Lions, but I don't know. The Lions weren't good, and he always beat them. So, it, but it probably wasn't the Lions. But th- there was a DB that when Mitch was here, he said, "We we're gonna make him play quarterback." Like, you're mm. not going to get out and be able to use your legs on us. We're going to make you play quarterback. So they put spies on him. And we kind of saw that with Justin last year in that Detroit game where they just they weren't going to rush him. They were just going to stay in their spots. They were going to allow him to stand behind the pocket and try to make throws knowing he didn't have the receivers to do it. I think that now if you do that with an improved receiving core, with Justin having more of an understanding, right, if the stats stay the same, you could be looking at Justin Fields extrapolating out to basically having a 3000 plus passing yard season if he if he throws about 180 yards a game right yeah. and then on top of that you add in another 600 yards you're talking about a 3600 yard season 30-something passing touchdowns, 12 interceptions, that's a season where you know that you have a franchise quarterback. And so that's what, now I'm coming into this and I'm looking at not just what Justin Fields has been added, but the history that this system has put in place with not just all-star quarterbacks. That's the point I wanted to bring out with this. It's not just Aaron Rodgers. I'll give you Kirk Cousins even, right? Listen, Kirk Cousins may not be the end-all be-all, but he's he's a very above average quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo improved his game from 12 touchdowns, 8 picks, to 27 touchdowns, 13 picks, and he added 1,500 yards to his total. Definitely. So that, to me, gets me excited. It makes me believe that there's a major step coming this season for Justin Fields, and, and I keep telling people, like, stop underselling what he should be able to do. Because <laughs> I because I think that he is going to be poised to take a real step. And like you said, the, the point that you brought out that I love – is that getsy knows how to use him now. And it felt like for half the season, he had no idea what Justin Fields was.
0: Yeah, and, and the thing is too, you have to look at it like this too, Pat. Um, you know, there, there's some office coordinators, right? They they just know a system. You know what I mean? It's their system. So they'll try to, you know, put a quarterback in that system. And he may his skill set may not fit that system. His skill set may not be able to flourish in that system because the things that you're asking him to do within that system doesn't fit doesn't fit his talent. You know what right. I'm saying? So if you if you're trying to force a quarterback to do things he's not comfortable with, whether you're going to get terrible results. But if you have a coordinator right who has his system, but he has the ability and the willingness to to change that system and and make that system adapt to the quarterback that he has, well, then that's when you're going to get you know those I think those numbers you talked about in terms of those those quarterbacks in there. Second year in that system, because now, like we talked about previously, this coordinator knows his quarterback, right? He's got a bigger grasp on this quarterback. He knows what what his strengths are, like I said before, and he knows what his weaknesses is. So when he's game planning, he's going to make sure that, first off, you know, when I come out, I've got to do something to get my quarterback comfortable. I got to get him into the flow of the game, you know, but he's not going to put him He's not going to put him in situations or he's not going to devise a game plan or make a call that's going to, you know, hinder his quarterback's confidence or put him at a disadvantage. And that's what the great, I think, offensive coordinators do, not just with their quarterback, with their players in general. You know what I mean? If you have a running back and he's more of an outside zone runner like in this scheme, well, you're not going to force him to run power. You know, you're not going to force him to run power, which is more of a gap scheme, or you're not going to have him, you know, really run – in in between the tackles a lot. You're gonna you're gonna give them the ball and, and, and let them go out there and work. You know, based upon what his strengths are. So you know, and, and interesting too, Pat. I would like to look at. You mentioned all those quarterbacks before their second year in that system. I think one thing we got to look at too is they they're in that system for a second year. But what was the talent around them their first year compared to the talent around them their second year? So Absolutely. we look at the talent we have now. I mean, you have last year. Let's be real, defensively. If I'm a defensive coordinator and I looked at this roster last year in terms of the receiving core, there's nobody that really scares me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's nobody that really scares me. You say, hey, you know what? We got to stop the run. We got to stop Justin Fields running, Dave Montgomery, and Khalil Herbert. That's it. That's all we got to do. Yeah. That's all we got to do. Now, I mean, you've got a good group of receivers and we've got a good collection of receivers that can all do different things. You know, you've got Moore, who's a bona fide one. He can play outside, he can play inside, and can do a lot of things. Claypool's a bigger guy. Mooney's in the slot. You've got – you drafted Tyler Scott, who can stretch the field. Bayless Jones, you can line him up everywhere. So he can run reverses. You know, he, you can put him anywhere. Uh, then you got the two tight ends, Cole Komet and uh, Tanyan, who's had, you know, success in this league for a long time. So you have a good group of receivers that have a variety of skill sets in which now gets, gets you can say, you know what? we can do a lot of different things because we have these type of receivers. You know, last year I don't think the talent level was as high as it is in the room this year. So just based off when you bring in better talent and surrounding a young quarterback with great talent, and then you can get that running game revved up. It takes a lot of pressure off him. You know what I mean? So now he's not going out there. And he's not in the huddle saying, you know what? I got to make a play. You know, I've got to, I've got to run a quarterback, uh quarterback sweep and break it for 60 yards. Like, you're not going to have to do that. You're going to be able to get the ball, you know, in the hands of your playmakers. Get the ball to them in space. Let them make plays. Turn around and hand that ball off to all them running backs you got in that and in in, in that stables back there, and let them eat. And that's going to make your job easier.
1: Here's here's the the interesting part about all of it, though, right? Like a lot of these guys that we say, I it's weird that it feels so different because I think there were so many names that were just they weren't what you wanted them to be, but realistically, Darnell Mooney's second year in this system now. Cole Komet, second year in this system now. Robert Tunyon's, I think that that's, that's the real part, that Robert Tunyon's here now. He's yeah. played in this system for, what, yeah. four years now, basically? So Great. that that, to me, I think is a big addition. Uh, He knows where to be already. Uh, Chase Claypool, hopefully he's got this this system figured out by now, came in middle of the season, wasn't able to kind of get get, uh, uh, on board with what they were trying to do there. So now you're talking about, okay, we got Chase Claypool adding into that mix, now all the pressure isn't on DJ Moore to be in the right spot every single time because there's going to come a point in the season, hopefully not later in the season, but early in the season where he's not on the right router, he's not in the right yeah. spot because something right like he got mixed up on a call or something like that, but there's going to be four or five other guys that know where to be in the system. I think that that's so important heading into this second year. Uh, let's keep it moving right along, J-Mac, because we got... Plenty to talk about. There's rumors flying all around as we get into the second quarter. Second quarter. <sighs> now, listen, the only reason I'm bringing this to the show is because the Chicago Bears need an edge rusher terribly. Mm-hmm. And Danelle Hunter's really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and his contract situation is, it, I, like. I don't know if the Packers and him just hate each other at this point, but they seem to never be able to get on board with a contract situation. He's a really good player. I, I love what he's done in the league so far. I believe 10 and a half sacks last season. Yeah. Uh, the only season where he's had under 10 sacks is where he hasn't been able to play uh, just about every game and almost every season he's played just about every game outside of 2021 and I believe 2015 early on. He didn't play every game. Um, could Denell Hunter be a trade target from the Vikings for the Chicago Bears with the caveat? That at least b- because I was looking on pro football uh, uh, reference, mm-hmm. it only goes back to 1994. Chicago Bears have never traded with the Minnesota Vikings. Will he be the first?
0: Yeah. And, that, and that's what you look at, too, right? You look at um, teams trading within the division, right? And I know Detroit Detroit traded, who was it? Hawkinson within the division, yeah. right? They yeah, traded yeah. him. To but, Minnesota. Yeah, to Minnesota, exactly. So I look at it like this, too. and We know what Pose is going to do. We know, you know, what his thinking is in terms of the organization, right? He's not going to make a, a jump or he's not going to he's not going to overspend or he's not going to put us in the situation to not be competitive in free agency year in and year out. Yeah. Uh, but in the offseason year in and year out, uh, you know, whether it's to draft free agency, um, he wants to make sure that we have the picks. We have the money and we have the draft capital to be able to you know keep this thing rolling, uh, continuing to get good players uh, that fit the culture. And everything that they're trying to build, you know, up there at Hallis Hall. So with Danelle Hunter, obviously it's a, you know, he had production. I think he's a solid pass rusher. I think he would fit well in the scheme. But what is the cost in terms of the reward? Well, the reward is you're going to get a guy with 10 and a half sacks that can, you know, get to the quarterback. Something that we couldn't do last year consistently. Um, What's the cost? What's the price? And what is the willingness if he does? You know, is Minnesota going to want to do that? Are they going to try to make us overspend? knowing yeah. that they're 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 trading a guy that can make plays or so they're going to have to see uh, two times throughout uh, the year yeah. if, if they make that trade. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm a fan of Daniel, Daniel, uh, Daniel Hunter. I think he could definitely be a huge upgrade and help this defensive line as a whole. But what is the cost? And I'm with Polls. you know what I mean? I, I like what he's doing in terms of making sure that we're able to be set up for success year in and year out and not put us, uh, you know, behind the eight ball, the following year, just because – we want to make a splash and grab somebody, and then we don't have a draft capital or money uh, the following year to be competitive in
1: the offseason. Here's where I would love to see him make this trade uh, for two reasons: one, mm-hmm. because we have the money to do it. Um, right. <laughs> even though, right, like you, at, at some point you're going to have to pay Justin Fields. We'll, 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 yep. we'll, but we've got some guys on some cost-friendly deals. We've got some guys that. Realistically, probably won't be here two seasons from now. I know we all love Darnell Mooney, but if Chase Claypool gives you similar production, they're going to pay Chase over Mooney. Um, You're going to have DJ Moore here. I believe he's still under contract for two more years, I believe. So you've already got that contract on the books. Danelle Hunter is still under 28 years old. (laughs) He's still a young stud yeah. in this NFL. He's going to be somebody that can grow. And I think that he's somebody that fits what Ryan Poles, uh, um, d- the the kind of players he went after in the offseason were. Now the problem comes in right where people don't want to give up that first round pick. The question that I would have for you is, is there a first round pick that's better than Daniel Hunter coming in next season? I don't think so. I don't think I've seen that on the defensive end. So if you're giving up a first round pick, maybe a couple of picks to try and go out there and get him, would that be something where you're saying, yeah, I'm giving up this pick, but there's nobody that's better than him. And I think the other thing is too, clearly he wants to be with a team for a long time. Clearly he wants to have, Uh, A long-term contract, so he has the the financial stability. He's able to stay there. Um, That's my only fear with Yannick Ngakwe. I love Yannick Ngakwe. I want him to be here. I I went through it and I saw that he's been with a lot of different teams. He's been traded to a lot of different teams, kind of like because he was the best piece to trade when they signed him, basically. Yeah, but. Does he wanna be a long term player? Does he want to stay in a place for four or five years? I'm fine with throwing a band-aid on it this season and maybe going out and addressing it in the draft. But that brings us back to my first question. Is there a player in the draft better than Daniel Hunter?
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, that's why you gotta have a great scouting department. You know what I'm saying? Because every year we know there's the going into into a uh into a college season, right? There are the 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 players that that are in the limelight or in the spotlight, right? Yeah. The guys who you they're saying, you know, they've he's definite first round pick or he's a, you know, day one pick. And then there's always a guy that comes out of the door work that has a great season that you didn't really hear about. Yeah. And actually, you know, he's in that top 10 or that top 20 in the first round. We saw it this year. You see it every year. So you got to have a good scouting department. Um, you know, they the scouting department, they do a lot of extensive studying. They've already broken down guys, you know, to a T already, you know, from A to Z. They know – What they did in middle school, they know how many detentions they got. They know everything. Mm. And they're just they continue to do their research day in and day out to make sure that they're they're getting the type of uh, player that they want within their organization. So, yeah, that's a good that's a good question. You know, is there somebody that can that has better upside than a Daniel Hunter? Um, But, you know, I don't know that question. I, don't know I mean,
1: realistically, yeah, it's, that's on the scouting part department, like you said, to figure out. But yeah. it's just, it's one of those things where I know everybody. Want, we want all the draft capital. We want as much draft capital as possible. I want the best players. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if the like, listen, the the reason that I like, there are people that that said we should have got more for the first overall pick, and if we waited on draft day, we'd have gotten more. There's no wide receiver in the draft better than DJ Moore. No. Not polished, not polished that you know. You know, and the thing is, you're, you're, and like
0: you said, that's a good point, like, DJ Moore, right? He, he, he he's been a known. Like, he's known, all right, you know he's going to be productive, right? Yeah. With all these guys in the draft, I don't care. You're the first pick, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. It's, it's a crapshoot. It's yeah. a crap shoot. You don't know what these guys are going to pan out to be. You can look at them on film and you can say that their game is going to translate to the NFL level. But at the same time, how do you know that? You don't know that. You don't know. And, and and it's funny because of the reports now, you look at it, oh, this this guy's been lighting up minicamp. CJ Stroud's been lighting up minicamp. <laughs> Anthony Richardson, he's on fire. He's been light, lighting up minicamp, throwing darts all over the field. Yeah. The man is not even in shoulder pads. There's no pass rush coming out. <laughs> how, how can you light up minicamp with no true pass rush? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they yeah. they got to say that. It's propaganda. You have to say that because you have to justify Right, making that pick. So, GMs they want to justify making their pick, their especially their top picks. They're going to give them every opportunity to be successful because if that top pick fails, guess what? Now your job credibility is on the line. Your job's on the line because hey, right. like you said before, when we started the show, it's a production based business. Yeah, GMs get you know they get hired and fired all the time. So, if you're not bringing in players that can help produce, and you're continuing bringing in players that don't pan out, yeah. well, guess what? that whole scouting department's jobs on the line, your jobs on the line. So, you know, that's why it's so important to to do your research, but at the same time, you're hoping that you've done enough research in terms of knowing the man, but also knowing the player and, you know, knowing this guy's character because what you don't want to happen is, is, you know, you interview this guy so many times, you go out to visit him, you work him out, you know, he's saying all the right things, but guess what? When that signing bonus hits his bank account, what happens to his work ethic, you know, what happens to his willingness to go out there and want to practice every day, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, instead, yeah, yeah. Of, instead of going to the car lot and say, you know, yeah, I want this Mercedes, yeah, I want this house with a pool, instead of him being in his playbook. Those are things that a scout, you know, he can't scout. Those are things that you can't put a, you know, you, you can't measure that because you don't know what that player is going to be like When he gets money, or when that status changes overnight, because you're asking, you're, 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 there's some guys that come from all different economic backgrounds. Pat. and if this guy goes, if if he's in college, right, and a guy can't afford pizza, but then the next day he can he can buy Pizza Hut, he can buy a franchise of Pizza Hut. What happens to his work ethic? Yeah, you know what I mean. He's not in his playbook. He's in his car manual trying to figure out how to make sure this auto starts work. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? He's in his, yeah, his car's yeah. playbook but not in his his offensive or defensive playbook. Yeah.
1: No, first off, uh where would you buy that car from if you are trying to figure out how the auto start working? not, <laughs> you got to you got to you got to you got to take that back. You bought a lemon, my boy. You bought a lemon. <laughs> um yeah, man, it, it's I think I think NIL is going to change so Man, much with so much stuff, dog. Like I, I look at them He's NIL dead. deals, and I just be like, Man. I think it. Th- there, are, there are some leagues that I believe will collapse. I don't think it'll be any of the major leagues, but there, there, there's going to be some leagues that are out there that will collapse yeah. because the players don't want to. They, they don't have a need to go play. There. Like, can you imagine? First off, Stetson Bennett being there like seventeen years at Georgia. Can you imagine? Right, like how? <laughs> man, if he if if had know. nil the whole time. No,
0: like. man, these college coaches, right? They, they come through the school, and I ask them about nil and and the transfer portal. Man, and and it's it's funny the the amount of uh the varying opinions on it. You know, like yeah. some coaches come through like, man, like. You know how can I tell this guy to come to practice? He's making more than me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you got guys making more than their position coaches or even their coordinator at their respective school. Like it is, it is unbelievable, man. Like I, I mean, I'm a hey, trust me. If I was, man, hey, look, hey, you're somebody right. Yeah, if I, if I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to. Hey, if, if I'm in college too, and, and nil was around. I, I may have not have played in the league. Because your mindset is going to change. Your priorities yeah. are gonna change, especially when you're getting money that early and you didn't have that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like I mean it's it's gonna change. Big big what, full
1: back big full back market out there for the uh for the NIL deals, you think, dog?
0: Nah, they would have gave me like in Philly, I would have got I would have got like a uh a uh, 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 automatic gift card for like Pat's or Gino's steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, hey, hey man, no charge, my
1: friend. Hey, you want provolone and mushrooms on that? Hey, we got you, Mike. hey, man. I want to go to Philly for one reason, and then I want to come right back. I need to try these two Philly cheesesteak spots that everybody said are the two best Philly cheesesteak spots. I don't even know their names, yeah, but Pat they said. You know. Pats and Geno's.
0: Yeah, right. yeah, I would have had an unlimited Pats and Geno's card. I told you.
1: How, man, how, a- how 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 good is it? Is it worth me driving down there and driving back?
0: I mean, they, 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 but you know how it is. Those are the two tourist spots. You know what I'm saying? And they're right yeah, next yeah, yeah. to each other. So everybody's like, oh, I'm going to go to Pats, go to Geno's. But there's so many other places like mom and pops. like places. It's the that deep are, cuts that got it. Yeah, that's like, you know what I'm saying? You're getting the goods. You're not getting the tourists, you know, the... The touristy uh, cheese steak, where they're trying to rush it out, and they're all about production. Uh, You're getting that quality.
1: You're getting that. It's, it's their version of uh, Giordano's. Exactly. It's a version of Giordano's. Okay, I got you, man. Because I swear, I keep telling y'all, Chicagoans, the, Chica, deep dish pizza is not Chicago pizza. Y'all got to stop thinking that. Y'all got to stop uh-huh. thinking that. We, uh-huh. we, we we don't eat that daily. <laughs> y'all got to stop thinking that, bro. They think they really think we just out here slamming deep dish every day. No, when y'all come to the city and y'all want Chicago peace and y'all be like, let's go to Jared Donald's. We watch y'all die on that. And then we eat yeah. one piece and be like, I'm good for the month. <laughs> <Yeah>. Chicago, <laughs> Let me Chicago go get this style.
0: <laughs> yeah, Chicago's serious about its food, man. I remember my rookie year, I came here and, you know, I'm a Florida guy and... Got a hot dog. I was like, yeah, let me get, uh, yeah, let me get ketchup, all Ooh. this stuff. I, mean, I ain't want to choke you. Yeah, you want to. Sins out here. You <laughs> sinning out
1: here, brother. You were sinning. Hey, man, let's get out of that type of ketchup on a dog. <laughs> uh, let's get into the halftime show real quick, J-Mac, because uh, halftime is my favorite time. It's time we get to promote anything. J-Mac, you got anything to promote? And I got a question for you based off of last night's game.
0: Yeah, man. Nah, just uh, everything's good, man. No complaints. Kids growing up, you know, kids uh, getting older, man, kids starting – Two kids about to start driving. So, you know, I'm in the car market. I gotta, I gotta try you to you find in the, car car. You're, you're in the car market out of Car market now, they man. Write that down, Eric. He's in the car market. Man, they're trying to take my oh, no. truck and everything, man. So, it's, <laughs> hey, that's uh,
1: why he in the car market. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, where Pop, can I, can I run the truck to the stop? Hey, hey, right, hey, where are my keys at,
0: man? So it's a, <laughs> it's a cool thing, man. You know, as a, as a parent, like, time goes fast. You know, you see your, your child, you know, in diapers, learning to walk, and next thing you know, you're, you're coaching them out on the football field. So,
1: yeah.
0: uh, you know, you got one of my one of my sons is is gearing up football camps that I want to go to this camp. I want to do this camp. I want to go to this camp. And you you see his growth and maturity and his work ethic growing. And, you know, obviously one of them wants to play college ball. Uh, you see the other one uh who will be a senior next year, you know, just excited about graduating. He's got a job now, he's working, he's got his money. I'm getting Amazon packages to the house. Like, I didn't order this. And I'm like, man, Pat, I'm like, I didn't order this. Oh yeah, it's mine, Pop. Yeah, it's me, Pop. Let me
1: get that. Let me get man, that
0: one for you. <laughs> get back, Pop. It's mine. That's my package right there. Like, man, like, what's going on? So it's a good thing, man. Fatherhood is, is, is definitely a blessing, man. And it's uh, you know, it's an awesome time. So that's pretty much it, man. I'm just just excited to uh to be doing the show. I'm excited for uh you know our upcoming season. We have summer camp starting in June. Uh got some things, we got some joint practices this year in which the say allows each school to have four joint practices with another school. So it's 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 our version of, of, of a joint practice like NFL style with training camp. So it's going to be fun. Something that they haven't done. I don't think they've ever done here in Illinois in terms of high school football. So
1: yeah, I was going to say that seemed a little dangerous. I remember playing high school football. We ain't like the dudes over there. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. Well, you got to schedule, you know, you got to get the right opponent.
0: Obviously you don't want to, you don't want to schedule uh, any team that you're going to go up against during the regular season. But, the good thing is, you know, you get to go against teams who may have a similar offense to what you may see. Yeah. Uh, you get a chance to bond with other coaches, and you get to, a chance to uh, – your players get to bond with some other players and to go against uh, some good competition before the, the season really kicks off. So it, it's really an advantage, um, you know, having this opportunity because when you look at Illinois, right, we don't have spring football here. The state of Florida, we have That's spring true. football. So, That's I mean, true. kids are – Tackling there their, and helps your shoulder pads. They're playing spring games, whereas here, you know, you don't have that. So, you know, having this opportunity with them changing the rules and, and, and giving uh, uh, teams, you know, an opportunity to go against each other earlier, I think it's just going to bring out a better, a better brand of football, uh, you know, when that fall season kicks
1: off. I got to ask you this, man, because – I, I was uh, cracking up last night watching the Lakers game mm-hmm. and Jokic was amazing. Uh, I believe okay. it was 34, 21, and 11. I, it, <laughs> I I see why people laughed when I was like, MB is the MVP. And then you get to the playoffs and it's like, "Man, he not. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this though. There's a shot where Jokic, one-legged, pull up, midi knocks it in. AD just looks at him. He's like, or uh, from three, I'm sorry. And He yeah. just looks at him, starts laughing. Was mm-hmm. there a time when you was on the field where somebody on the other team was just so amazing that all you could do was just stare at that man and just start laughing and be like, we ain't got it today, boys.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Adrian Peterson. <laughs> I knew it. I knew no. it was going to be His rookie Adrian. year, his rookie year they, they came to Soldier Field and I think – we went to overtime that game, and they beat us. But I think he ran for like 200 and something yards that game. But he was a rookie that year, and he was so good. Normally, when our when our offense comes off the field, you know, we go sit down. You meet with your position coach to kind of right. break down the drive that you just had, uh, make some adjustments. I mean, this is how good he was, right? The position coaches, they're all standing up on the sideline. We're standing up on the sideline to see what he's going to do. And when you have your guys come off the field, you have your defensive players come off the field, you can ask Lance about this. They come off the field, and they're like, man, this guy is like <laughs> – you know, I'd be like, wow, I don't – there's nothing – like, this guy is it. And that was his rookie year. Yeah. I mean, he was – I mean, anytime they put the ball in his hand that game, he was gone. And I, I and if I recall, that game went into overtime, and uh, we lost a toss. So we're kicking off, and they put him – they, they they took out their starting kick return, who I don't know who it was at that time, but they took him out and they put Adrian Peterson back there, and he returned the ball to like the 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 forty their forty yard line, and I think they that set him up to to win the game. I think they won by a field goal. Like he was that dynamic. I mean, I've never seen nobody, no running back, run somebody over standing straight up like he like he did. Like he was. I mean, you see how he played. Like he was. Yeah. A man.
1: AP was a, a- a- was a monster he among a monster. men. I
0: mean, the guy ran <laughs> over 2,000 yards coming off a knee injury. Come on. Coming <laughs> a- off a terrible knee injury like he had. He
1: he was a monster among men. I'm not going to lie to you, man. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember watching him and just being like I – mean, and, and I, I say this because it, it was so tough because he came back off of the knee injury mm-hmm. better. And I was like, you just messed up everybody who's ever going to get an ACL after you. Yeah, because after that, Mus was like AP came back. What did he come back in? Like seven months, six months, yeah, something like that. And he came back and rushed for two thousand yards. Insane dog, the absolutely is, insane.
0: The funny thing is, and I hope I have the time, the timeline right. So when when did AD come in the league? 05 was his first year. Uh no, he was oh seven, the rookie year, right? Okay, seven perfect, was his perfect. rookie. Year. Yeah, so my timeline is right. So we we. We, we drafted Tommy Harris. Obviously, we had big Tommy on the show, my brother Tommy. And I remember when AD was in college, you know, Tommy's an OU guy. We had a couple OU guys on the team, Mark Bradley and all these guys, OU guys on the team. And they always talked about OU. And I remember Tommy saying that AD was the best running back in the league when he was still in college. And he, I remember him saying AD is the best running back in the league. I'm like, but he's at Oklahoma. What are you talking about? He's the best running back in the league, J-Mac. Watch when he comes out. He's the best running back in the league. Yeah. <laughs> and that game, hey, that game, I'm like,
1: man. Your memory's impeccable, by the way. November 14, 2007, the Chicago Bears surrendered a franchise record, yeah, 224 rushing yards to Peterson. Yeah. A stunned Soldier Field crowd witnessed Peterson score on runs of 67, yep. 73, and 35. He even returned the final kickoff of the game Fifty-three yards to set up Minnesota's game-winning. I told
0: field. you, hey, you know he's good. If I remember that, Chicago, come on, you know, <laughs> you know he's a dog. If I remember that, that's yeah.
1: insane,
0: dog. I'm not hey. gonna
1: lie. I got to go back and watch that game, Jay Mack. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be looking for you on the sidelines. You're going to see know, me? I you know, see I me just like know. this. You're going to see me like this. <laughs> hey, you're going to oh, see me. With, 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 hey, with my hot dog, with, with ketchup on it like this. Oh, no. See, that, that's why. That's why he ran for 224 yards. It was you. It wasn't the defense. It was you. He saw the hot dog. He was like, this ain't Chicago. No, I, blame, uh, I blame
0: Chicago because the, the, <laughs> the, some restaurant fed him real well before that game. And he went out there and he ate real well in terms of yardage that game.
1: See, you should have gave him the deep dish pizza. He would have been too heavy to run. It wouldn't have worked out for him. (laughs) Hey, man, let's get into the third quarter out here, man. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Let us know how you guys feel about both the topics that we've talked about so far. Justin Fields taking a leap. Danielle Hunter being a trade target for the Bears. We get into this third quarter here. Bears Road schedule. I think most of us believe is pretty tough, right? The home schedule, we, we both talked about feeling pretty good about. But I want to get your perspective on the road matchup, not just from the teams that we're playing, but from the environment that we're heading in. You played in all of these stadiums, except maybe the, except the new ones, I guess. Right. But uh, what do you think is going to be the toughest road matchup for the Chicago Bears this season from a stadium environment, team environment type of situation?
0: Yeah, I'd say early on, uh, probably Kansas City. What is that? Week three, week Kansas three. Yeah, City, yeah, Kansas City. I mean, that's a when when I know Poles was on the show with uh, a couple of our guys earlier last week, and he yeah, even, on with Black and Abdallah. Yeah, yeah, he was on with Black and Abdallah, and he talked about um, you know environments, right? And we talked about Air, you know Kansas City. He talked about their stadium, right? Yeah, and he said it's the closest thing. He he even said he liked going there you know, watching games because it was, it was the closest thing that that he's seen to a college environment in terms of the yeah. And I've played there a few times. I played there when I was here in Chicago. Um, I was there with the Ravens. We played a playoff game against them. And it's electric. It's loud. I mean, them fans come out. You know, it's electric. Um, So that environment is a very hostile environment. But on top of that, I mean, you talk about the type of team that Andy Reid and that organization has put together. I mean, yeah. come on. I mean, you've got a generational quarterback. We all know that. Patty Mahomes, he's going to do his thing. But the talent that that they keep stockpiling around him, you know, you lose Tyreek Hill last year, and yeah. you
1: still want to see don't miss a beat. You know, uh, Juju, Juju Smith, same dude, right? right. Not at all. but <laughs> right. I mean, Like,
0: Juju Smith was in Pittsburgh. He lost favor in Pittsburgh. He comes to Kansas City, and, you know, Andy Reid just, you know, helped revitalize his career. Or he doesn't have to be the man, and so now he's a piece and he can just flourish in the role that they had him in. And, and that goes back to, you know, what we talked about with, with uh, Justin Fields, you know, having the right offensive minds to bring out the best in your offensive players, to bring out their talents. And, you know, the interesting thing with that is I look at that matchup, you know, Eric Bieniemy is not going to be there this year. You know, he, he left and he went to Washington. Yeah. So he's not going to be there. So, well, how is that gonna change? You know what I'm saying? How how was that gonna change? Snaggy calling plays again? How this offense, yeah. How's that offense gonna look? You know, I mean, you have a guy in Eric Bidemy who's been there, who's been who's been a part of every step, who's been a part of all that success they've had, who's been Andy Reed's right-hand man, and now he's not yeah. there, you know, a guy who helped develop Patrick Mahomes, and he's not there. So what is that going to look like? Now, Andy Reid is, you know. Hall of Famer, you know, one of the best to ever do it. I uh, had the opportunity to be coached by him my rookie year in Philadelphia. I mean, the man was amazing back then, he yeah. continues to do amazing things. And I mean, he's, I don't think they'll miss a beat, but I do think they will have some growing pains uh, without having, you know, Eric Bittemey, a guy who's been there. Well-
1: is, is Matt. Matt really calling plays or is Andy calling plays and Matt's doing, like, two-minute drills? Yeah, I don't know. That's, and that's like, the, that's the real question because I'm right. not going to lie. If Matt's calling plays right. – I need people to understand. Matt Nagy <laughs> ran literally one of the worst offenses in NFL history. So hmm. if Matt's calling plays, I almost give us a little bit of a chance. Now, if Andy's calling plays and he's telling – All right, Matt, call this. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> – If we got got a situation like that, we might be in trouble. But but
0: there's a difference, though. And I ain't going to call out their names. When Matt was calling plays here in Chicago, he was calling the play, but who was running the play? Yeah, yeah. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. Now, when you, when you, sometimes, right, the player's ability is going to trump the play. So, you know, we talked about Adrian Peterson, right? You may call a run play, you may call outside zone, you may have to stop. Yeah, he's got the ability to to put his foot in the ground, cut it back, run somebody over, yeah. then outrun the whole defense. <laughs> you call a play with Patty Mahomes, and you know we got the perfect coverage call. It's a but big because difference. he has that ability to to be able to, to 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 maneuver in the pocket, to plant his feet, and to throw off platform, to throw from anywhere off platform and complete a pass for thirty yards to Travis Kelsey. Bad play call. Yeah. But you got talent that Trumps to play.
1: Is he the best quarterback you've ever seen? Man, I'm not
0: going to say that. There's I don't want to just. There's so many great quarterbacks in this league. So I mean, many, so, so many. many. I mean, so I, many, so many. But
1: that goes six, back to, six AFC title games, though. Is crazy. Yeah, like
0: I hate when people <laughs> do that. Like and and I and I'm going from basketball to football. But no conversation. You talk about Jokic, right? Mm-hmm. So who was it? Mm-hmm. Who was calling again? Was it Mark Jackson? Yes, Mark Jackson comes out and say he's the greatest of all time. Are you kidding? Right, come on, man.
1: Come on, yeah, man. Yeah, there's a lot man. to go. There's a lot of time to go. It, I mean, come on, man. There's <laughs> a lot yeah. of time to go. Let him get a ring first. <laughs> yeah, man, he's have a ring,
0: man. Come on, come on. Now, Pat Mahomes is he? I mean, he, he got a couple of, rings he, though. He got a couple. He's got of rings. He's, he's, <laughs> definitely, he's definitely one of the best to ever do it, and he's still playing. But is he the best? No, I don't think he's the okay. best. Does he I
1: have? Think- I think he's making a heck of a case towards that. I'm with you.
0: I'm with you. His career is not over. So, I mean, TB12, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that. Yeah. It's hard to argue that. He is, I mean, in my opinion, he is the best right now. But – Patty Mahomes, his career is not over yet. So we're and what
1: what head. I'll say to that is, what made him the best is being able to come back. What well, people forget about Tom Brady, probably because they they're very young and saw Tom Brady later, or they just didn't pay attention to time as close. But there's like ten years where he didn't win in a row. Yeah, like he won. What they win? They won three rings, and then they didn't win again for ten years. Yep, that's <laughs> crazy, right? Any. And you, the picture I love of him, when you
0: see, he's got all the rings on, and he's like this. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. it's not, it's not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's one, two, three. Give me some time. Yeah. Four, five, six, seven. Right, like, like it's, it's a little different. So, I it, it, and the NFL changed a lot from the time where he won his first three to when he won his second three. So it that's that's always right. Like I, I feel like he's making a heck of a case. But let's see if there is that law. Let's see, you know what happens when. Because it, it the the thing for Pat Mahomes is that he'll last longer than his skill players for the most part. Yeah. So, are they going to be able to find new skill players? How long is Andy Reid going to continue to be his head coach? There's a lot of things that play into that. Because Andy Reid is, and is a monster. But that, that's another
0: thing too that plays into it. Right. A lot of people when 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 Tom was in New England, a lot of people saying, "Oh." He's a system quarterback. He's winning these rings because of Belichick. Well, he went to Tampa and then won another ring. You see what I'm saying? So that kind of ended that debate right there because he went to a Tampa Bay team that that didn't make the playoffs the previous year. And then they
1: came back and won the Super Bowl. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Tom is time was amazing. I'm not gonna lie to you. And the thing is, right? It's not, it wasn't one of those like, oh, it's the end of time career, and and somebody else did it for him. Now Tom was slanging that thing yeah. in that Super Bowl. He wasn't yeah, joking. Tom's <laughs> a monster. Hey, man, let's get into the fourth quarter. Let's finish this show out on a high note here. You brought up a really interesting topic. Wanted to bring this to the forefront. Who do we feel is the name on the roster who will make an impact? That is not in the spotlight right now. J Mac, who you who do you have in mind that's gonna take that step? Yeah, I'm looking at so looking at this
0: receiver room. A lot of guys in that room, brought in some guys, beat a draft. Um, guy was there last year, Dante Pettis. Oh. Right. He was a second round draft when he came out. Um, got good athleticism, was their main returner last year, has the ability but only had 19 catches last year, right? Yeah. So he's in a situation where, you know, we, when he's in that wide receiver room, and he may be in there right now because I think they, they're in OTAs, right? You look to your left, you see Tyler Scott. Look to your right, there's Bellis Jones. You look in front of you, there's DJ Moore. Look to the right of DJ Moore, there's Darnell Mooney, right? Yeah. I got to do something. <laughs> if I want to yeah. be here, you know, EQ say Brown's over here. I got to do something if I want to be here. Right. We talked about it. I think last week we talked about it being, you know, it's you know, they say in the NFL, they say don't count numbers, but it is a numbers game. They're only going to keep a certain amount, uh, you know, for each position. So I know I got to go out here and make plays. I got to do something to change the narrative because, you know, DJ Moore is going to be here. Yeah. You know, Darnell Mooney is going to be here when healthy. Uh, you know, Chase Claypool is going to be here. Tyler Scott's going to be here. drafted guy. So I got to go out here. I got to beat out somebody. I got to beat out somebody. So I'm, I'm looking at him. I think he has – he's got the size. He's got the athleticism to make plays. And he can put a monkey, Rich, in that wide receiver room. So I'm looking at him to 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 maybe be a guy. And there's always one that you don't – that, like we said when you started this, that's not in the limelight, that just does a tremendous job in training camp, that just blows the doors off training camp, has a great preseason, and then the dilemma comes in. How do we keep this guy? I think Dante Pettis – could be one of those guys this year on the offensive side.
1: I I I look at the defensive side, right? I think there's a name that we often overlook because of the young people that are coming in, because of uh uh the rookies that we've drafted, different things like that. I think Justin Jones is going to be a key to okay. this defense. I think he's gonna be a real key in a name that probably many of us have overlooked because of Javon Dexter, because of Zach Pickens. We think that they're gonna be in the middle of that defense. Mm-hmm. But Justin Jones with the Chargers was an elite run stopper. And uh, I think with a better defense behind him and and a better defensive front, hopefully around him, he'll be a guy that I don't know if he gets back. I believe he had seven sacks with the Chargers. I don't know if he gets back to a seven sack guy. But what I do think that he can do is stifle the run with some of the best of them. And now he's going to have defensive players around him that are going to be able to help him to be able to do that. I, I think that that's something where last season, right, it was it was easy to run on the bears. Like you all you had to do was say, okay, there's nobody on the outside. I'm gonna run this thing outside. I didn't have to run at Justin Jones. I can run away from Justin Jones all day. I know he's good at that. Yeah. Don't go at him. Let's go over here. Let's go over here. Let's get outside. I think that now with better players there, right? When you have players that are going to be able to come up and set that edge, and you've got players on your front line, hopefully being able to get a little more penetration. Justin Jones to me is the guy that I looked at that I think is going to really be able to kind of stand out, step up. And we heard him talk again with Black and Abdallah at the draft party. I just mm-hmm. love his mentality. Yeah. He, he was like, they, they, they were asking him about, um, you know, playing against the Packers and and how, right, like everybody's gonna going to go in at you and how everybody's doubting you. He just looked at you and said, I love it.
0: Yeah, I, I got one for you too. Ooh, let's Other do it. side so I'm going to go for the underdog. You know, I, I've been in this situation with these guys. You know, I've been the underdog. I've been in a room that's had four fullbacks, you know, my rookie year. And I yes. was fourth when I came in. Um, so I look at it th- like this, right? Everybody's talking about pass rush. You know, we're talking about, hey, bring in Daniil Hunter. You know, Yannick, uh, uh, Yannick, Yannick, Yannick Gakwe. G- yeah, I can't pronounce it. Yannick Gakwe. Yannick Ngakwe. <laughs> <and> I- <laughs> Yannick, and last yeah. name case, yeah. man. Yannick Ngakwe is out there, right? Now, here's a guy. Who post-drafted his first year, who really good athleticism. I think he played receiver for, for yeah. know, his entire career. And then yeah. I think he had two years of playing uh, defensive end. And they drafted him based upon his potential, right? And I'm talking about Dominic Robinson. Yeah. Right. You look at you look at Dominic Robinson, right? He hasn't played the position for a long time. When you look at how long he played that position in college, uh, I think he played it for one year. And then he had that COVID year, so he didn't play. So he opted right. to stay and then had a full year playing that position. So his first year in Chicago may have been his third year, maybe, you know, playing that uh, playing defensive end. So you get another year in this defensive system, right? You get another year of development with your position coach. Uh, you know, you already had the skill set, but now you have a more of an understanding of the position and how to play the position. Yeah. Uh, you get to come in and learn from some of the older guys. But you see what they didn't do, the older guys, right? You see they didn't get pressure on the quarterback. right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. You learn how to be a pro from them, but you see, hey, they didn't get no sacks. Yeah. And, you know, that's all they're talking about in Chicago. Here's Pat, the designer, talking about, bringing the Hunter, bringing in Danell Hunter, you know, on the Chicago Bears podcast. <laughs> so he, hey, he knows he has opportunity, right? Yeah. And he be a guy who's developed, right, who's learned, how to play the position and that can come in and make some noise. They can come in and, can, and show that he can get consistent pressure on the quarterback. So he's kind of a dark horse who nobody's talking about. We're talking about guys and free agents, veteran free agents. And you have a guy that has potential who you brought in your first year of the draft, who hasn't really shown anything because he's still learning how to play the position. So I'm excited to see what he does.
1: All I need him to do is not give away the thing that he figures out on the field to the media. Just don't do that no more. Like I, I was like I, like, I thought he came out, what is that? Week one versus yeah. uh, the 49ers, comes out killing off of the off of the uh right side, left side of the line, mm-hmm. getting into the backfield uh, every play, like, oh man, this dude's amazing. Goes straight into the press conference. Yeah, man. He lifted his foot this way every time. I knew it was a pass. I was like, what are you doing? Like, don't like now, granted, you, listen. <laughs> for a young me. player, that's good
0: though. He, he's showing you he, he's reading keys. For a young player to, to to see you know be able to read keys like that and to you know to have that to have that type of game early you know he's shown flashes he can he can be a factor but now can you do it consistently
1: yeah hey AJ Mac uh, I, I was I was very big on uh, one thing in high school because I spent a lot of time in uh, detention and uh, in ISS yeah. uh, silent reading. Let's let's do let's work on some silent reading out here, Dominic. Let's, let's do a little bit of silent reading. Out here, right. Don't give hey, a man, you got to get the keys away. You yeah. got to get the keys away, man. I'm hey, man, it. that's another episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. The Wednesday edition is in the books. Me and Jay Mac here. Appreciate you guys for tuning in and showing love. Make sure you're hitting that like button. Subscribe to the page. Drop a comment. Drop a bird down in the comments below if you made it all the way to the end of the podcast. Shout out to you guys. Make sure you leave it a five-star review over on Spotify and on iTunes. As always, man, it's your boy Pat the Designer back at it again. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Chicago. Peace. Peace. Bear down. Bear down.